What is up, guys? I am your co-host, AJ Heyer, and next to me is my other co-host, Colleen Hughes. We are Planetary Overload. This is a bi-weekly podcast where we introduce you, our audience, to new hobbies. Think of us as the tutorial of where to start to getting into these new hobbies. Make sure to send this to your friends if you already take part in this hobby, and to follow us on Facebook. Isn't that right? Oh, yes. Follow us on Facebook at Planetary Overload. It's amazing, and I definitely did the graphics for that. So It looks Great. <laughs> We're just going to toot our own ho- horns right here. You know, I have to sometimes. <laughs> Speaking of tooting horns, <laughs> we are doing cars today. This episode will be explaining cars and the hobby of cars, which is a lot more expensive than I probably would have thought. Oh, yes. it's It definitely involves so many other things and I didn't even think about. Not even mentioning the fact that there are so many different types of cars you can start collecting. Right. Anything from vintage to old which i thought would be the same thing but not yeah there's definitely different decades for each of the word choices that you make like vintage classic antique they're all different types of cars yeah but uh this this hobby is pretty expansive this can be anything from repairing to collecting to watching videos driving classic cars vintage cars and more jake really wants us to talk about off-roading too Ah, uh, yeah. He he told he told me some pretty frightening things that would happen if we didn't talk about off roading. Yeah, so there's definitely off roading as well. <laughs> <laughs> just we're we're just we're just messing around for our coworker Jake, that wonderful wonderful man. Our interview guest today will be Dr. T. Lindsay Baker, who specializes in old cars and specifically specializes in the Model T. Yes, those are the antique cars, I believe, is what is under that definition is the Model T. So it is an antique car, not a vintage car, not a classic car. Right. Antique, I think, goes into the very, very beginning of the... (laughs) Of the ages. Of the age, yes. Yes. um, And... I believe the Model T, for a little bit of history, if the people aren't aware, the Model T was the first ever mass-produced car made made by Ford. Yes, Ford. So uh, look forward to an interview with him. He is also the host of a show called T for Texas, which you can hear on KTRL, except if you're in any other part of the world except for Texas. I don't think you hear that. (laughs) But you can find the show online in some way or another. Uh. I got to be honest, this is probably going to be our most expensive hobby we talk about. It is incredibly expensive. It's not really for people who are interested in a side thing that's not going to take too much time or money or effort. And we will talk about ways to make it that way. Yes. Um, But if you want to do what you stereotypically think of with car hobbies... Like collecting cars, drag racing, repairing uh, fixing cars. Fixing up cars, yeah. exactly. It's, it's going to cost a lot of money. Because car parts are not cheap. Have you seen my bill for fixing my car? It is not fun. Uh, no, <laughs> I don't even want to think about that. But here's the thing, though. This is what I like about the car hobby concept. It makes your price for repairing your car much cheaper than you would otherwise have. Because you think about your mechanic rates... Those all include labor. That's true. So take away labor and just the cost of getting parts sent to you or buying them in person, like at an AutoZone or something like that, Mm -hmm. it is cheaper. So this is probably our most expensive um, hobby, but probably our most practical hobby, too. Most practical, but you do also have to have that skill level. So you you have to learn. But, of course, that's what YouTube is for, right? (laughs) I mean, every tutorial imaginable is on YouTube. So next up, we're going to be talking about our supernova facts. In- input sound effect. <laughs> 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 the automobile was first invented and perfected in Germany and France in the late 1800s. Though Americans quickly came to dominate the automotive industry in the first half of the 20th century, Henry Ford innovated mass production techniques that became the standard, and Ford, General Motors, and Chrysler emerged as the big three auto companies by the 1920s. Manufacturers funneled their resources to the military during World War II, and afterward, automobile production in Europe and Japan soared to meet ever-growing demand. Once vital to the expansion of American urban centers, the industry had become a shared global enterprise with the rise of Japan as the leading automaker by 1980. And that definition or history of automobiles is from history.com. 
I did not know that they were there were cars in the late 1800s. I thought I, it was all or like 1900 type I stuff. I did not know that either, but I feel like as Americans, we can be a little self-centered. And <laughs> in the early 1900s, of course, is when we see cars in America. America! <laughs> that song, to sing the actual lyrics, is a bit too much for our audience. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, next up, we have a definition of something that you can do with uh, cars, uh, specifically the concept of cruising. Cruising. Not like, on the water. Or the planet. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> if you don't know our our sister podcast, our sister podcast? Yeah, our sister podcast sister? Yeah. is Cruising the Planet, which you can catch live on YouTube on Wednesdays. Yeah, Wednesdays at 6.30 is when we go live for that. And it's just a casual podcast, so we talk about what's going on in our lives and the world. we got to hit those plugs because we're on that podcast, too. Oh, yes. <laughs> so... We'll let Colleen read this definition. All right. Cruising is distinguished from regular driving by the social and recreational nature of the activity, which is characterized by an impulsively random, often aimless course. A popular route or strip is often the focus of cruising, and cruising nights are evenings during which cars drive slowly. A cruise can be a meeting of car enthusiasts at a predetermined location organized predominantly through the internet in recent times, of course, as the internet grows. And it is largely through mobile phone and word of mouth as well, uh, or simply by a cruise being established enough that it becomes a regular event. That's from Wikipedia. (laughs) Yep, yep. Uh, I tried to go to the source for that, and there is a lot that looked like the person who wrote that article did a uh, a paraphrase because there's a lot more information in that of article. Yes. So uh, you can just look up cruising on Wikipedia and you can find the original source for that. Uh, you can modify your car to go faster. I saw a picture of a station wagon that was drag racing and oh beat the gosh. car. That the, These are sometimes limited by your local ordinances. So a lot of the times when you're modding your car, there's the term street legal. Mm-hmm. So you have to make sure that if you are doing any modifications to your car, that they are within the legal standards of your city, town, or more. So uh, specifically in Texas, you find a lot of people with large wheels mm-hmm. on their trucks. So that's considered a mod. We can also be going and looking at engine mods. Uh, this is specifically to adding a turbo or like changing out your engine this can be anything from small mods to would it be like lights as well under yeah. in the undercarriage yeah that's a modification so anything that modifies your car in any way is considered a mod so you have to be really careful about those things though you have to make sure that they're legal i know at least for the lights you can have lights they just can't be showing the bulbs yeah they can't right. be showing the bulbs it just has to because what happens is if they're too bright they blind other people and the we have to say cars driving in public. Ju- I mean, you probably drove to your work today and you're probably driving home listening to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Cars can be dangerous. Cars, they are. <laughs> cars can be dangerous and we have laws in place to make them more safe. So, But if you want to do something crazy with your car, <laughs> there are – you wouldn't be able to drive it in public anymore. But there are other things that you can do such as off-roading. This is – this is the idea of taking a car down the beaten path. It's very fun, according to Jake. So uh, off-roading can have specific Jeep-like things. They're like, they look like, they call them off-roaders. So have you ever seen that before? Uh, no. <laughs> so it looks like metal poles that are all welded together, and they make like a cage around you. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Those are specifically only for off-roading interesting but you can also have jeeps which is where uh in world war ii the original jeep arrived to go down roads that maybe have been a bit more beaten than other ones and jeeps are very popular for off-roading too if you like nature if you like to see if you like to be outside off-roading is definitely one of the things that you can do with your truck or jeep uh your little sudan will not survive the trip do not try taking that out there do not do not Please. (laughs) 
Um, there are other ways that you can kind of enjoy this hobby, though. We think about car enthusiasts collecting magazines. If you go into any kind of older car hop type restaurant, they sometimes have a collection of license plates. Uh, you can have anything from old advertisements to these can be anything from magazines to old parts. You can find like, mis you know how there, this is an idea for a future podcast, but there's the idea of collecting misprinted items. Oh, yes. That's interesting. So this totally applies here. Uh, old parts that don't work, but they just look cool. You can collect those. I think a lot of uh, people who get into cars really get into it because of the aesthetic, but mm -hmm. also there there are different reasons to get into it. But a big part is the aesthetic and the attention you get for having a really nice looking car, a really cool modified car, and also having those um, magazines and stuff like that. And if you are into collecting and you want to get more into the car aesthetic, this can kind of get that collecting itch that isn't collecting $25,000 cars. Right. <laughs> or maybe uh, the smaller versions of the car that you really like. Right. Like RC cars, which yes. I was going to get into next. RC cars is definitely something that is smaller scale. RC cars are smaller scale, but like my dad's in the RC cars. They're super fun. It is it is just a delight to see those little things <laughs> down the street. <laughs> yes, definitely. It's so much fun. But many areas that you live in, many states, many have car tracks. Anything from NASCAR to derby days to drag races, you can find local car tracks and sometimes even legal street races. Right, right. And there, of course, will also be speedways that will host big events that you can go to or that you can pay to even drive some of the really expensive cars. Like one time my brother in Colorado, actually, he for Father's Day, they paid for him to drive a Lamborghini. What? <laughs> yes, it was amazing. He loved it. Oh, I don't I can't fit in those. The, for our viewers, I am six foot four. <laughs> yes, I, he's really tall. I, uh, I do not fit in certain cars cars my girlfriend had a smart car at one point and i'm just oh, like no i'm so glad you don't have that anymore because i would not fit in that <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to know i'm five foot three so that it's an interesting combination here <laughs> uh but if you like tv if you are looking for some shows to watch i think every channel has some sort of car show on it oh definitely i would if this is like something that you want to dip your toes in if this is something you maybe could see yourself getting into and becoming a gearhead, <laughs> which is just a term that means you are a person who enjoys cars, this would be the place to start. Some popular shows can be, most people recognize Top Gear, which is mm -hmm. the uh, hosted by the three British guys. I don't remember their names off the top of my head, but uh, Top Gear is definitely one. Uh, there are some antique car shows on History Channel. Discovery has some car shows. Uh, there's street racing shows, there's uh, racing shows, so just kind of go to your local, just go on cable and search <laughs> cars. Um, there'll be tons of TV shows. Oh, yeah. I, And I also added here, there are also countless YouTube channels. Yes, definitely. I mean, we mentioned YouTube earlier. This is definitely a platform where many, many people can share their ideas about how to modify as well as just videoing how they race, how um, the shows are. It's, it's incredible just to look up on there. Um, I think uh, YouTube is probably one of the biggest providers of uh, if you were to look to learn how to create engines fix engines do that any sort of that thing if you want to look how to fix repair that is the platform where you learn oh definitely but, i mean you can spend money to take classes but there's always that resource i mean community colleges you can get a true a, uh, associates in but that's if you're looking to work in cars we're just talking about the hobby at this point right so we're going to start moving into our segment where we have our notes and share our opinions on this hobby I'm going to be honest, looking through all the cars, they look fantastic. Oh, they're beautiful. Yeah, there is definitely an art that goes into it. And I'll talk about money later in, mm -hmm. in this section. But I just, there's something about the aesthetic, especially to me, 
about the 50s, like that Ooh, car hop type yeah. era. Uh, one of my favorite restaurants in town is called Jake and Dorothy's. We're not sponsored <laughs> yes. by them, yeah. uh, but they are literally a 50s diner that probably looks like it hasn't been updated since the Oh, 50s. yeah, it definitely hasn't, it's, but, you know, dollar burgers on Tuesday. Oh, so. my gosh, it's so good. And for, like, eight bucks, I got a omelet the size of my plate. And <laughs> the, I just enjoy that aesthetic. It, there's, there's definitely an aesthetic draw to this. Yeah, like I said before, it's definitely about the attention that you receive from having these nice, well-kept cars mm -hmm. and just having, like, Model T's out driving, and you're like, wow, that's incredible. Right, right. And I believe our interviewee will have a Model he he owns Model T's, so yes. he does that on a regular basis. Yes, so. he's actually owned classic cars. He calls them classic cars since he was in high school. Really? Yeah, the... He, he's so excited about this interview. Well, we're excited to talk to him. So uh, some other notes that I have, I want to talk about the price specifically. I know we've kind of, it's a beating, it's a, we're beating the dead horse right now. Right. But I can't get over the fact that it's probably a buy-in of at least $4,000. Yes. I mean, there are ways you can keep your costs down, like having a friend that's a mechanic that'll give you a discount or being able to work on cars yourself. But it's it's truly an, an expensive buy-in for this. If you want to collect cars or any kind of car parts, mm -hmm. you can find some good deals on eBay, Craigslist, that sort of thing. Uh, but and you have to be careful about those sites. You have to be very careful because when it specifically comes to cars, a lot of people who are selling are just trying to get rid of their old cars and they kind of don't know what's wrong with them or so that could be a good start like take right take some but of course dealing with other people online always be careful what did you think of this hobby i thought it was very interesting i've always liked the idea of at least muscle cars i think they're very cool looking <laughs> i don't know if i can see what i was gonna say I was going to say, they look really hot, and that's why I really like them. So I, I really enjoy the aesthetic, but as far as the hobby goes, I think you really have to be dedicated, and it has to be almost half your life. Right. I, I don't think it's a hobby you can just... Dabble in. Dabble in. You, right. can't, you, can't, you can't just go down to uh, a car shop once a week or something like right. that. Right. I know my other brother, actually, he used to show cars. He was in a lot of competitions, and he really enjoyed it, but it took over a lot of his time. And once he had two kids, he had to actually get rid of his cars because wow. he couldn't store them. He just couldn't maintain them because he had kids to deal with. So um, if you're single... Yes. <laughs> if you're single and looking to mingle, I guess, go to some car shows. Because it's probably the best. Imagine you are a single man, woman, or other mm -hmm. driving down the street in a in one of those shiny nice new cars. Ooh. <laughs> yes. Yes. Definitely. Of course, there are a lot of aspects that aren't just my favorite. Like, I was talking about the aesthetic. So, I could see myself collecting old, uh, what's it called? Advertising. I oh, could yeah. see myself collecting old signs and trying to clean them up a bit. So, it we talk about we're talking a lot about the expense of collecting the cars and the mechanical part, but there's also a lot more to this. You know, there is uh, getting to go to car shows like that could be uh, something that if you like to go out and do stuff with other people, mm -hmm. that could be something that you do. Most places in Texas specifically we have squares so a lot of the times we have these little car clubs that bring all their expensive Maseratis and really cool looking muscle <laughs> and cars some, and some antique cars that will just stay in the square and kind of have almost a show for people to come up and they drive just them. look at them and then cruise in them yep it's a it's a good way to get to know people especially in car clubs and everything but there is an expense. I know an interesting expense I thought about was the shipping of the cars. If you buy them mm -hmm. um, from out of state, you don't really want to drive them back in. Yeah, you're right. Um, um, it will actually, what I read was it would be irresponsible for a car collector to drive a car they bought all the way back home. Mm -hmm. So you have to account for the shipping costs and the insurance and all that. Shipping costs. And then also you have to think about gas costs. Right, because if you're if you're into the driving aspect, that can be your uh, driving. But we, I, th you, buy in, 
Yeah, it could be a drive-in. <laughs> <laughs> drive-in movie theaters. Yeah. That, those are fun. Uh, well, one of the things I think we should kind of go into in going into our star coordinate segment, car clubs. Yes. This is the way to get into meeting people who know what they're talking about, driving cars, looking at cars, looking at collection. I, it's just the best way. Yeah, car clubs have a lot to offer. So just a little bit of background about car clubs. They are um, groups that have gotten together. A lot of the times they're nonprofit and they're all volunteer based. And of course, they have their own inside elected officials like presidents and vice presidents, that sort of thing. But they then get together. They share photos amongst each other. They share parts. They share advice. Um, a lot of the time Sometimes they'll have an ear to the ground about who's selling the the best stuff for the best prices. They also have a lot of historical reading material that they will send out, like uh, newsletters that they can send. And I think it's just the best way to get to know the people as well as getting into the cars itself. I think this could be the entire hobby for you, too, if this the being a part of a car club could be oh, yes. your hobby. You don't even have to own cars to be a part of a car club. You don't have to be that much into it. They just kind of bring you on as a prospective. So if you're interested in becoming a member of these clubs, you become a prospecting mm -hmm. member. And at first they'll get, they'll explain things to you. You'll get to know them and they get to know you to see if you're really the type of person that needs to be in a membership of a car club. And mm -hmm. they will take you in and, then you get to use all of their resources, and it's incredible. Mm -hmm. And I think part of the things that we will move into our next point in this, car shows. These are put on by the clubs, but it's more yes. of the public face of these clubs. Right. Because you don't have to be a member of the club to be a part of car shows. But these can go from anywhere to being like a local, we just bring our cars, to huge conventions. Right, nationally. National, uh, even international, depending on your country, mm -hmm. uh, that you can come in, you can look at car auctions, you can see people fight over old cars, <laughs> you see the best of the best here. Like, the car shows are fun, bring your friends, you can drive cars, you can see cars, you can talk to gearheads, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and then next up, we're talking about online groups. Your favorite website for this is going to be Facebook. Yes. There are not, there are online websites, and but I feel like if you, for the local aspect you look up for a local facebook group yeah when i because we were researching of course when i looked some up i really found just a lot of facebook groups not too many websites or blogs specifically for this area but you can definitely find people in the texas area and in the central texas mm -hmm. area that are interested in all different types of cars but local ones tend to be more model specific right so if you're interested in a specific car model um like porsche for example mm -hmm. there'll be a porsche center club versus oh, okay. um more nationally is going to be your bigger mm. wide variety of cars that maybe are just based off of an entire like brand like ford or something right. like that or an era so um it can be interesting i think the i think and this is me speculating mm -hmm. i could be wrong but I feel like part of the reason why most of the stuff is centered on Facebook is because I think the people who are into this hobby tend to be older. Yeah, um, I could see that. Older men, specifically. Um, and that's just from what I've seen from my research. And uh, that if you're younger, don't let that discourage you. Oh, no. I mean, if you have the ability to get into a hobby like this, definitely go for it. And, of course, we talked about there's not – if you don't want to, there's not much of a buy-in for it unless you want to really get into the big cars and parts and stuff. I think that is a very good transition into buy-in. What is the cost of this? What is? And we've kind of been talking about the cost the entire uh, podcast, so we'll kind of tone that down part of this down, and we'll probably go into our budgeting uh, version pretty quickly. But uh, buy-in, I think the like i did last episode the essential buy-in mm -hmm. for you to get into this initial buy-in is the cost of your membership fee 
if you were to get into a club. Yes. Uh, it can be, f- and I think you can go even lower and say the initial buy-in is free because if you go to a monthly or weekly car show, you go to a monthly and weekly car show. I don't Right. <laughs> Right. You could always, I guess, pay for a magazine subscription mm-hmm. if you're interested in that sort of thing. Uh, pay for your internet to watch YouTube. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess you could say you wouldn't have to spend anything, but if you're very much an enthusiast, I think you will have to. And from what I've seen, it seems like the there is kind of the, the gateway is these clubs and then right. you, will, you will get enthused as you yes go it, it. it will bring you so much joy because i i read so much about this and it's really about the passion of the people collecting cars They're interested in cars so passionate like this is i thought that geeky people could be passionate right i i i was blown away by just how like these people love this hobby it, it brings them so much enjoyment and a big part of what i saw was if you're looking to invest in this hobby, it's going to be an investment of your joy, not a necessarily a financial investment. Mm-hmm. If you're flipping cars, it's probably not going to get you that much because mm-hmm. cars are such a have such a static value. Yeah, it's not like or non-static. Yeah, value. it's not like you're flipping a house or something like that. Right. Um, cars tend to depreciate too. So mm-hmm. if you if you like numbers, this probably isn't what you want to get into. But if you like collecting, if you like the aesthetic, uh, you can. F- and if you don't know what the aesthetic is, because this is a podcast and audio, and I can't show you a picture. <laughs> right. Uh, you can go online and find old cars or new cars or right. find if, what you like. If you're looking for any collectors, like famous ones, I know David Beckham is a big one. Yep. yep. That you can just look up. What is his uh? car collection look like and you can just search that up. I think he has pictures for days on his blog. (laughs) And then search up Dr. Lindsay T. Baker and look at his car collection. Uh, Again, cost, buying, shipping, restoring, maintenance, storage. Don't forget about storage. Make sure you can maintain your collection well and that needs to be stored. There are articles, hundreds of articles about people who had car collections that were outside and like under, they thought it was underneath a tree, and then some hailstorm or something came through, right. and it just ruined it all. Or sap, sap can ruin paint so badly, right? Especially right. red paint, right? And that's another thing we probably forgot to go over was painting. Oh yeah, car painting can be part of this too. It's every time I, every time I open a web page about this, I learn something new. <laughs> it's it's an incredibly in depth hobby. So there's something for pretty much everyone if you're interested and uh ways to kind of save money (laughs) resist the impulse to buy oh yes do your research before you buy the thing even if you think it's a really good deal it could be terrible Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh yeah we can move into budgeting we kind of already gone through all these but car clubs the easiest and cheapest way to have access to your favorite cars Car shows, same concept, but they will also have dealers, auctions, kind of the same concept as conventions from last episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are the places where people who, if it's a bigger car show, will be releasing information, having new stuff, uh, having old stuff everything in between uh watching videos and tv shows let's face it sometimes you just can't afford to do things like this but you can maybe scratch that gearhead itch by watching some of these oil driven shows (laughs) and the last thing is collecting things centered around cars if you can't afford to have a two million dollar car collection you can maybe afford to have a thousand dollar magazine collection or advertising collection and think about it like this that stuff will hold its value mm-hmm. versus the car depreciating over time unless you keep a car pristine. Right. You really have to take good care of it to keep in that condition. Yep, yep. So we are going to move on to our interview with our guest, and we will leave it there. We would like to introduce Dr. Lindsay T. Baker. Welcome, everyone, to the interview section of our podcast. And our guest today is Dr. T. Lindsay Baker. He is a classic car enthusiast and entrepreneur, I would say, and a collector. And we, you may recognize him from our KTRL 90.5 show, T for Texas, if you've ever listened to that. We are so excited about having you on this podcast. It's my pleasure to be here and to... Uh 
visit with you a bit about something that I very much enjoyed for just about all of my adult life. <laughs> yeah, that's very exciting. So why did you start collecting cars or how, how did you get into cars? Well, when I was growing up, for what for whatever reason, I became enamored of the four-cylinder Ford automobiles that were made from 1928 to 31, which we call the Model A. My first car was one of these vehicles, and I've never been without one. <laughs> oh, that's very exciting. <laughs> so you're very loyal to your model then. Well, classic car collecting typically focuses on a time period, a make, or even a model of a vehicle. And uh, people tend to focus on a particular theme uh, because you find parts and needed materials typically by class of automobile. Maybe it's muscle cars of the 1960s. But if you go to the trade meets that specialize in those cars, that's what you're going to find. You're not going to find things for a, uh, for a, a wooden station wagon, for example. Mm-hmm. Okay. So from uh, hitting off of that, from our research, we've... Uh, kind of had the idea of car collecting is different for each person so what would you say a general how do car collectors do what they do okay there there are several categories of people who uh, uh, play with with classic cars or vintage cars Uh, there are individuals like me who may have three or four but have them in running condition and use them as as working functional vehicles. There are people who attempt to restore cars to as near as possible to their showroom condition and then compete with others for the accuracy of their restorations. They very often move these from competition to competition on trailers and don't want to get mud under the fenders. Uh, There also are people, and uh, uh, many of them friends of mine, who tend to gather unrestored old cars but never get around to doing anything with them. (laughs) Oh, no. So they sit around behind their houses or in sheds or with tarps over them and don't really improve over time and uh, sit around until the owners kick the bucket and then typically they're sold at an auction and they reach other people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it seems like a very community thing, though. That is very much true. For each type of old car, there's not only a national organization with national meets and magazines and so forth, uh, but also local clubs uh, that may focus on a particular type of car and um, typically have monthly meetings and club activities. So, uh, for example, I'm a member of the Fort Worth Model A Ford Club that meets the third Sunday of each month at the Botanic Gardens in Fort Worth, and we gather and, and we our meetings all deal with this particular type of car, but it's the same for mid-1950s Chevrolets or for Corvettes. There are the the local and national organizations which provide a way to learn things who from people who uh, uh, have learned from their own experience i see so uh you're a member of this club you said that's correct do you, are they open to the public or just anyone 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 can come as a visitor and see what it's like and if they dis- and uh, not everyone that's in the club has a Model A Ford. There may be people who aspire to, or maybe in the past had one and just have fond feelings. 
Oh, that's fun. That's fun. So for someone just starting to be interested in cars and maybe car collecting, what era of car do you suggest or is there any era? Well, let me say the most popular collectible cars at any point in time are the vehicles that were highly desirable when typically men in their 60s were teenagers. (laughs) And these are the people who pay the highest prices for the cars that they wanted to have when they were in high school. So it's a bit of sentimental value then, too. Yes. So there's variation over time. Uh, Model A Fords were, were highly desirable and, and expensive 25 years ago when that generation was in its 60s. But now the sales prices have gone down and they're more affordable. Okay, so maybe some people just starting to get into that can choose the affordable option. Well, it's it's important to realize that those very most expensive ones are are the ones that were popular when men in their 60s were teenagers. And maybe <laughs> that's, so that's maybe those are ones to avoid. <laughs> right? <laughs> that's so interesting. All right, so with your experience, um, what would you how would you suggest starting in this hobby of cars? The advice that I regularly give to newbies in uh, own car ownership is, as a first vehicle, purchase a car that's running, licensed, has safety inspection, and is already a roadworthy vehicle. It's worth paying another one or two thousand dollars for a vehicle that's mechanically sound and obviously safe to operate than it is to buy one that is somehow broken down for which you don't know all the problems. Oh, so have you ever had any bad experiences when buying your cars or your vehicles, or do you do a lot of research beforehand? Um, I haven't ever been stung at a purchase, but I've spent a lot of money on things that people in their right minds would not spend the money on. <laughs> I, I know we talked about a little bit earlier in the podcast, resisting that impulse buy. So is that sometimes what gets you? Yeah. Typically, it's the fanaticism that gets me. Just the passion behind what you're interested in will get to you. When when you see something that perhaps you've been looking for for 25 years, and here it is as a a bucket of rust, you may really be tempted to spend more money than you should on a bucket of rust. (laughs) Now, you mentioned before about uh, getting cars that are already in good condition. Do you personally restore cars, or do you have friends who are mechanics? Or I do all the work that I can, but I don't have all the skills that are necessary uh, to do the finished job. But everything that I can do myself, I do. Okay. Do you it, have a specific place where you keep your cars to make sure they're in good condition? Yes, I have a, a metal barn on the farm where I live. Uh, and uh, so I've got covered covered storage for for all the all the vehicles. Is it most important to keep them covered, and that's it? Or are there other aspects of maintaining once you have? Uh, anything that has an internal combustion engine, like a, a gasoline engine or a diesel engine, needs to be run at least once a year, or long enough that the engine gets hot. And the reason for that is that with changing natural temperatures, humidity from the air condenses inside the engines. And that that moisture inside the engines eventually will cause rust to form inside. 
So if you start the vehicles once a year and let them run until the engines are genuinely hot, that heat will evaporate the moisture and it will go out of the engine uh, through the crankcase, crankcase breather. Okay. So you're, you're literally running it until it gets hot enough to evaporate out as much of that natural condensation as possible in order to avoid deterioration on the inside of the engine. That's interesting. That's really interesting. I know I've I've heard rust at least almost um, akin to almost cancer in people. So rust is cancer for cars. That's that that's true? often stated. You're absolutely right. So it's really important to maintain them if you have them and co- keep them covered and to run them. All to right. run them. And it, it, sounds cr- it sounds crazy. And... Uh, uh, I worked in, in the museum field for most of my career, and uh, in museums, running those vehicles is known as consumptive use, and uh, uh, there are often um, disputes among uh, personnel of cultural institutions on how they should best care for artifacts with internal combustion engines. Hmm. All right. Wow. So that, that's getting a, a little different deep, opinions. I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> uh, but the ba- the basic thing is you keep them dry. Uh, you uh, protect them from from insects and rodents, mm. and you, you run them at least once a year. Uh, best thing for the for one that's setting up is to be put up on blocks so there's no weight on the rubber tires. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Uh, so that, are they are the tires built differently then? I never even thought no, about. No, but if they if they sit in one position year after year, then the rubber forms a flat spot at, at oh. that location. Okay. And from then on, those tires are going to go thump 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 whenever you drive them down the road. Huh. That's really interesting. I I hadn't even thought about the tires at all. <laughs> Okay, so make sure you have blocks for your tires, definitely. Yeah, yeah, just block up the car so so the wheels are not supporting the weight of the vehicle. All right, so you mentioned you were in a car club, of course. Um, is that really where you find uh, your sales for your car parts and your cars, or do you find them online or through word of mouth? All of the above. <laughs> uh, Good answer. It For some vehicles... There are replacement parts made for for all the mechanical components, like the Model A Ford automobiles that I drive. There are so many thousands of these things in operation that I can be on the road and need a part, get on the phone, order it, pay for it with my credit card, and uh, the next day I'll have it from UPS. Oh, wow. Now, if I were driving a 1930... uh, DeSoto, I would not be able to find parts like that. But for a Ford or a Chevrolet, the parts are comparatively available. Uh, the smaller br- the smaller the brand, the harder it is to get parts. But of course, the more valuable, correct? Well, uh, at, um, the values on collectible cars are inconsistent okay because they often depend upon the appeal of the body style to buyers mm-hmm. you know buyers like convertibles for example oh. and pay a premium for convertibles uh, but it may also depend upon it being a, a rare body style and uh, the mo- of, of these cars the most common ones in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, or two-door sedans, which were the basic family car. Two-door sedans generally are pretty inexpensive to buy because there are lots of them. And they, and they make great family cars. 
Oh, and, right. you know, I recommend uh, people, buy, you know, buy an inexpensive two-door sedan. You can put the kids in the back seat. They can't open the door and fall out. Oh, that is a good point. Well, but that's, that's why people buy two-door sedans is that the children in the back seat won't open the door and get hurt. Oh, yeah. That's child lock has been great, but not even having a door there would be fine, yeah. too. Uh, so I, re- you know, I recommend that as as a as a first classic car because they're relatively, they're comparatively inexpensive contrasted with the rarer body styles, and they're good solid cars. There's lots of them. You can get good value. That is good. All right. So, people getting into it, what should they expect to spend right off the bat? It depends upon the age of the car you're buying. Uh, Generally, you can buy a licensed, safety-inspected, collectible car, ready to drive to drive home between two and six thousand dollars, depending upon the rarity of the body and the desirability of the gear. Okay. Uh, not as much as I expected, to be honest. Well, this is for, for an entry-level right. two-door sedan. Okay. All right. Have you ever dealt with any sort of shipping? I know in my research, um, a lot of people didn't like to drive their cars so far, so they would have them shipped if they bought them out of state. I have not myself shipped a car. Uh, I, um, I drive them. You but, like the driving aspect? But, but many people uh, are less comfortable with that than I am. <laughs> but do you, what do you most enjoy about having the older cars? Is it the, is it the history or the cruising? Or? Well, I come at this from the perspective of being a professional historian. And, uh, you know, I make my, make my living studying the past. I... For, for years taught history and uh, worked in history museums. And I enjoy driving old cars because it gives me a tangible connection with those people who in the past, in very large numbers, did very similar things. So it gives me insights into these past motorists' experiences. That's incredible to think that someone so far in the past used to do the same thing that you're doing right now, just driving in this car and living a life in a completely different time. That's right. Uh, two years ago, I took a, a 88-year-old car on a 5,000-mile trip. Wow. And... Uh, it's impossible to recreate the past. Mm-hmm. But even so, I was able to create some aspects of what a cross-country journey was like for people uh, in the days of 40-horsepower, uh, four-cylinder automobiles with a cruising speed of 40 miles an hour. That's amazing. It truly is amazing. And it... It worked really well then. You kept it up to where that, what did you say, 100 mile or 80 mile? It, it was uh, a trip from Texas to Chicago to Los Angeles and back to Texas. Oh, so wow. it was 5,000 5,000. So I was just missed the mark there. That's incredible. And it worked fine. You didn't have to stop anywhere. Um, I, did have, as... I did have some tire problems and had okay. to replace a set of tires. And... Uh, I had I was with a a nineteen year old companion, an engineering student from Iowa State who I've known for years, and uh, we had some minor mechanical problems that we were able to diagnose ourselves and repair at the side of the road. That's so we good. did not we we never broke down and needed uh, mechanical assistance. That's good. That's good. So where did you get your knowledge from cars? Did you? Just do personal research, it's, or it's simply the gradual accretion of knowledge. <laughs> no, it's it's cum- it's the uh, cumulative knowledge 
gained from practical experience and guided study. Okay. What do you think is the most important aspect of cars or car collecting um, that people should know before they get into this hobby? What should they know before they get into it? My advice is to invest in a reliable old car and experience it for yourself to see if you would like to go deeper into the hobby. Okay. So personal experience is always the best thing, yeah. I'd say. And car collecting is an incredible experience, and I had no idea how big it was. But it's great for community relationships as well as just connecting with your history. Oh, it absolutely is. So thank you so much, Dr. Baker, for coming and talking with us. It was really nice to have you on, and we've learned so much from having you. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you. And that was Dr. T. Lindsay Baker. What an interesting story. Yes, and what an interesting voice for those of you who are listening. <laughs> Sounds kind of like a, a Texas prospector. And he doesn't look like that at all, though. He's a mm. professor, yep. actually, um, at Tarleton in Fort Worth. So we host uh, a show called Morning Edition. And if you watch any, if you watch, if you listen to any NPR stations in the morning, it's just a news. It's just a news thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. But we, one of our segments is to do his show, T for Texas. And I had always heard his voice, and then imagined like um a prost like a bugs bunny type prospector (laughs) (laughs) he doesn't look much like that but he is a bucket full of knowledge yeah no that was amazing i have five thousand miles on a model a from 1917 that i i can't i can't even express how amazing that is and that year might be wrong but i just off the top of my head that's what i remember for Mm -hmm. so uh we just want to thank everybody for listening and we hope that you come back for the next episode. Make sure to check in for our next episode on trading card games. Bye-bye. Bye. This has been a Tarleton Radio Network podcast with production from AJ Heyer and Taylor Welch. Find more great shows by searching Tarleton Radio Network wherever you get your podcasts.